are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Time as we know it is really a recent phenomenon. Charles Dodd, a school teacher, and William Allen, a railroad engineer, actually pioneered the movement to standardize time in the United States. The date was November 10th, 1883, and after American railroads had accepted Dodd and Allen's idea of four different time zones across the United States, it was only then that they could actually schedule arrivals and departures of the railroad with any degree of consistency, because before that, every community decided what time it was for themselves. There you have it. Now, I think some people still live there, but praise God. About 2 a.m. this morning, we moved into daylight saving time. Hallelujah. And the U.S. adopted this in 1918. Daylight saving time is the practice of advancing your clock. I think you all did pretty good. We'll probably have some people walk in in about 30 minutes (laughs) who are coming in for church if they didn't set their clock up. But the U.S. adopted this in 1918, and it's the habit of setting your clock up in the summer months or the spring toward the summer months, and then back in the fall to take advantage of more daylight. So when you got up this morning, was it dark? Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Uh, So we have a picture of what you feel like this morning. (laughs) This might be how you're feeling right now. Or actually, you're probably going to feel like this tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so the proponents of daylight savings time say... This is why we do it. It saves energy. It promotes outdoor leisure activities in the evening, especially during the summer. It's good for your physical and psychological health. It reduces traffic accidents. Did you know that? And reduces crime, and it's good for business. So this is why we have daylight saving time. But there are opponents of daylight savings time. They argue that energy, actual energy savings are inconclusive. We don't know if it saves any energy. And that actually health risks increase and that more people have heart attacks (laughs) during daylight saving time than any other time. I don't know about that, but that's what they say. It can disrupt your morning activities. And they say that when you you change your clocks, it disrupts you. It disrupts your social uh, schedule, cancels out any health benefits. So... So here's another person who's struggling with daylight saving time. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I felt this morning, and I don't even have a dog. So So I thought we'd take a vote this morning. I'd like to take a vote. If you are a proponent of daylight saving time, and you like it, and you think, yes, we should have it, I want you to raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Okay, people are for it. Okay, and... Jacob is against it. If you are an opponent of daylight savings time, please raise your hand. All right. So we have a divided house, but we are going to pray for unity this morning. So here's the deal. You can't stop time. You can't stop time. But guess what? You can change it because you just did this morning. You can turn it back or you can turn it forward. Isn't that powerful? You change time. Daylight savings time used to really mess with my son, Marcus. When he was little, we would change the clocks, and then the next day he would get up and he would say, Mom, what time is it? I would say, well, Marcus, it's, it's 10 o'clock. He goes, no, really. What time is it? 
I was saying, well, Marcus, it's 10 o'clock. Mom, is it 9? I'm like, no, it's 10. Is it 11? I'm like, no, it's 10 o'clock. All day long, he would be troubled. The next morning, he would go, what time is it, Mom? Like, babe, it's 10 o'clock. It is 10 o'clock. I'm telling you the truth. As if we were lying to him. And the whole world was lying because they just changed the time. He couldn't quite deal with it. I bet he's doing better now. He's doing much better now. (laughs) I suppose knowing we were approaching daylight savings time, my mind has been preoccupied with the concept of time. So today I want to explore with you how God sees time and how we see time. When did the concept of time really start? Uh, Time really began with creation. When God created the world, then he started measuring time. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then God said, Okay, now we have time. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So, When did time start? It started at creation. This was the beginning of time for us. So I thought to myself, well, if that's the beginning of time, when is the end of time? 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 13 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Listen, he's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person should you be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for? Do you feel that way? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be deserved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So when the earth melts, the heavens melt, and the earth dissolves, time, will, time as we know it will be no more. Because when the sun melts, and there's no earth revolving around the sun, and no moon revolving around the earth, days as we know it will be gone. So when will time stop? It will stop at the coming of the Lord. It will stop on the day that he sounds the trumpet and we move into eternity and time for us will not be measured anymore. So now you know when time started and when time stopped. So I I thought, what time is really? And I found this definition. Time is a historical parenthesis within an eternity. Time is a historical parenthesis within an eternity. Here's really what happened. Eternity has always existed. This is hard to even get your mind around. It was always there. But when God did creation, he started time. And that time will exist in the, until the time when he calls the church home. And then eternity will roll out for the rest of time. Well, no, that's not true. There's no time. Once eternity starts, there is no time. And where do we live? We live in that little parentheses right here. 
in the middle of eternity. Time as we know it is just a small segment of eternity. And I know today marks daylight savings time, but I'd like to preach to you today my title, It's Saving Time. All right, well, (laughs) the altar is open. (laughs) It's saving time. It's not just daylight savings time. It's saving time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, this is the time chapter. I'm going to read it quickly for you. For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak. It's a time for love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. So Solomon said, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Within the parentheses of time, we appear and we mark our time on the earth. Psalm 90, verse 10, the psalmist David said, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble, and they are soon gone, and we fly away. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. David was saying, guess what? You better pay attention. Because even if you get 80, 90, I saw somebody on the internet last night in, I believe it was China, 110. I think she's the oldest living person on the planet right now, 110. Even that many years in light of eternity is just this little parenthesis. So in this little parenthesis of time, which is your life, you're just ticking away the span of your life. Time is flying. The Apostle Paul stood, understood the importance of time, and he penned this admonition from Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen, you've only got so much time. So what are you doing with it? That's all you've got. James 4, 13 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. When I was coming up as a child, saints, the older saints, you used to always say, you know, the Lord willing. The Lord willing. Are you doing that? The Lord willing, I'm doing it. Do you remember that, brother? The Lord willing. Lord willing. And the creek don't rise. (laughs) That's what they used to say. The Lord willing and the creek don't rise. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. King James Version of the Bible says that instead of saying, what is your life? It says, life is a vapor. 
As I was thinking this morning of an analogy, I thought, if I had a cup of coffee here, praise the Lord. <laughs> Big cup of coffee, which I think I need about now. And you pour, you took a pot of hot coffee and you poured it into that coffee cup as it was sitting there. You would see the steam rising off that coffee cup. Pray, are you feeling the Holy Ghost? And the coffee, praise the Lord. And you would see that steam coming up off that coffee. And then in just a moment, that steam is gone. James said, that's your life. Yeah, it's but a vapor. You've only got so much time. So this morning, I want to help you understand six, six things about your life in light of eternity from James chapter 4. Number one, life is frail. He said, you are a mist that appears. Listen, health is fleeting. For all you young ones down there, just wait. Things will happen. <laughs> Daily. <laughs> At some point... The law of attrition starts in your body. Things happen. <laughs> Life is frail. You might feel strong right now, but at some point you won't feel as strong as you are right now. Life is frail. Number two, life is short. Life is short. He said, you are a mist that appears. You are a mist that appears for a little time. And sometimes we think, hey, I've got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 more years on the planet. You don't know that. You don't know that. Life is short. The day of our birth and the day of our death are already numbered by God. You don't know that. Death is certain. Number three, death is certain. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. George Bernard Shaw astutely observed the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. <laughs> I didn't think that would be funny, but I guess it is. You're not going to beat it. There's only two people that ever made it off the planet without really dying. One person was taken away in chariot of fire. And the other, the other person went and died and rose again. And he resurrected off the planet. Other than that, everybody else has died. The hope we have is the rapture. I'm pulling for it. I would like not to die. <laughs> oh, even so, come Lord Jesus. Number four, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Life is frail, life is short, death is certain, and God is sovereign. He said, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills it so, it will be. Listen, God is in control. You might feel like life is spiraling out of control, but I'm telling you right now that God is in control. God knows every day. He knows the hair on your head. He knows the issues that you have. He knows what you're going through. And he's there to help, and he's sovereign. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five, pride plagues us all. Pride plagues us all. It is possible for a Christian to fall into practical atheism where he thinks, I've decided to do this. This is what I'm going to do, and nothing's going to stop me. I'm a person of strong will. I will succeed. Practical atheism. Hey, there's nothing wrong with making a plan. There's nothing wrong with setting a goal. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with seeing your life laid out in front of you and going for it. There's nothing wrong with doing business and getting gain and making life work. But at the end of it all, God is sovereign. And we cannot determine our last breath. We're not in charge of that. Only God is.
is. So at some point, the arrogance has to come down a little bit and say, yeah, God, that's what I want to do. But what do you want to do? This is the plan I have for my life. But where are you in this, God? Is this your plan? Is this what you want? Because guess what? Life is frail. Life is short. Death is certain. God is sovereign and pride plagues every one of us. First Corinthians four, verse seven says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not? Are we the ones who got gain for ourselves? Are we the ones who gave ourselves breath this morning and and took us into the next day? No, God did it. And I've got to acknowledge him and say, then what is your plan? God, what do you have planned for my life? And then number six, obedience is best. James 4, 17 says, if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's sin. The very best choice I can make in my life, the very best choice I can make in my life. Listen to me, young people, the very best choice I can make in my life is obedience to the word and the will of God. The very best choice you'll ever make in your life is obedience to the word and the will of God. Listen to this gray-haired woman. The very best choice you will make in your life is obedience to the word and the will of God. It's the best choice. It is the best choice. It is the best choice. So what is today? It's saving time. It's saving time. I want to do a little participation here. I'm probably going to be hated on social media for this, but go ahead. Here's what I want you to do. I want everyone at the same time out loud to say your age. Yeah. No, wait, wait. I'm going to count to three. Yes, I know you're uncomfortable with this, but just loosen up and let God have his way. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to say how old you are. Ready? Don't anyone listen to anyone else. You just say your own little word. (laughs) Ready? I want you to say your age out loud. You can do it. You will not melt or fall. You can say it. All right, ready? One, two, three. Fifty-seven. That's your slice of time. 12, 14, 40, 80, 85. That's your slice of time. So here's the questions I want to ask you this morning. Are you saved from sin? Have you been redeemed? Are you right with God right now? At this moment, at this age, right now? That's the most important question I will ever ask you. Right now. No, not tomorrow. Not next week. Not if the Lord tarries after Easter. Today, on the 10th of March, are you saved? Now. Because guess what? It's saving time. Today. Right now. That's all you have is this moment. Are you saved? Is there sin in your life that you have not laid down? Is there a burden of guilt that you have not gotten rid of yet? Right now, right now, are you saved? Question number one, question two, and if you are, who are you helping to save? Because guess what? There are 7 billion people on the planet that have the same problem that I do, and that is sin, and it's saving time. When you slip into eternity at the end of your life or at the rapture, these will be the only two questions that will matter. Are you saved? And who have you helped to save? 
2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I want to commend Brian. I think I saw him here today. Last Sunday night after prayer, it wasn't a Sunday morning service and it wasn't even planned. I, I hope, I'm sorry, I don't want to embarrass you, but I think you're really awesome. He stepped up at the end of prayer last Sunday night and said, I would like to be baptized. We said the baptismal is not warm. He said, okay. He got in that baptismal and was baptized last Sunday night. Right, because last Sunday night was the day of salvation for him. What are you waiting for? What is your deal? Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some man counts slackness, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Joshua stood up on that faithful day and said, Choose you this day. Yeah, I'm plowing. Yeah, I'm pushing. And I felt in my spirit this morning a pushback against it. But I cannot stop because somebody has to make up their mind today. Now is the day of salvation. Charles John Ellicott put it this way when he said, For each church and every nation, for each individual soul, there is a golden present which may never again recur. You have this moment. Eternity seems distant, and there is so much to enjoy in this life. So sometimes people say, I need to delay my decision about salvation until later. But here's the problem if you delay. Number one, there's no guarantee that you will have any warning before your death. There is no guarantee, and I live with that on my mind 24-7 because I have a husband who at 36 years of age had a fatal heart attack and went into eternity in one moment. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to help you understand. You have no guarantees. What are you waiting for? Number two, by spending a lifetime rejecting Christ, you run the risk of developing a hard heart. The more you say no to God, the greater the chance that your heart will be hard. Oh, listen to me today. God, listen to me today. You lose the blessing of a personal relationship with Christ now. You lose the benefits of living under his care and protection. You lose the opportunity to help someone who is lost to come to know him. The best decision I ever made was giving my life to God. The best decision I ever made was coming to an altar and saying, I'm sorry for my sins. The best decision I ever made was crawling to a stream in New York State and being baptized as a child. And the very best thing that ever happened to me was receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I have no regrets not one. Oh, it's a good life living for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's so much to lose and everything to gain. So do you know what time it is? It's saving time. It's saving time. Today, I want to conclude with an example from the book of Acts to help you see someone who learned to make up their mind in a hurry. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 34. And I have some men who are going to help me. So if you'll just go ahead and come to the platform, we're about to go back to the Bible days here. But the men have suits on, praise the Lord. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, Paul said, we were met by a female slave. This is in the city of Philippi. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. 
and she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Miracles are happening in Philippi. But when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities. Drag them. Just you go ahead and drag. <laughs> they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar. Yes, they are. Do not smile. By advocating customs, unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. So then the crowd joined in. Oh, hey, you guys are awful. What are you doing tearing our city up like this? And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped. No, we're not doing that. And beaten with rods. Yes, they were beaten with rods. So after they had been severely flogged, they were flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer, Anthony Henson, the jailer, was commanded to keep guard over them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet into the stocks. <laughs> they are, they're in there, and in the inner cell. <laughs> In the inner prison. But, so they've been beaten. This is serious now. They've been beaten, flogged, and now they're in stocks in the inner prison. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying (laughs) loudly (laughs) and singing hymns to God. Go ahead. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake (laughs) that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. So then the jailer woke up. And when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, wait, don't do yourself any harm. Put it down. That's right. We are all here. We're here. No one's escaped. The jailer called for the lights. He rushed in. He rushed in and fell, trembling Watch your back. Fell trembling before Paul and Silas. (laughs) He fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out. And they asked, the the jailer asked, Sirs, yes. Amen. Amen, Paul. Praise God. Okay, then wait. Okay, then here's the story. Then what happened? So why don't you think about this for a month or two? 
and you come back and let me know how you feel. And if you feel like you can work it out, and then we'll baptize you. No. No. That's not what happened. That jailer was standing there. He had seen the power of God. He heard the word of God from these men. And he said, okay, what do I have to do? And the Bible says, they replied, believe in the Lord. Thank you so much, Adam. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all his house. At that hour, in the middle of the night, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and his household were baptized. He said, everybody that's in my house, come here. We're doing this together. Leah. This is the jailer's wife. <laughs> yeah, and then they got two kids. We're going to baptize them too. Why? Because it was immediately. Oh, yeah, come here. <laughs> oh, can you see what happened here? Can you see what happened? On the moment that that jailer realized he had a sin issue, he didn't say, well, hey, I think I got some time to work this out. He said immediately he took care of the men of God and he said, come on, find a place to put me under and baptize me right now. Why? Because it's saving time. It's saving time. It's saving time. Oh, listen, it wasn't convenient. It was the dead of night. It was in a prison. It was not a reputable place to have a baptism. The jailer risked everything, his job, his family, his reputation. But he said, it doesn't matter. I've got an opportunity to respond to the gospel. It's saving time. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's saving. Let's give them a hand. It's saving time. It was saving time. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. It's saving time. I didn't tell her she was going to have to do that. So thank you, Leah. Thank you. I want to read you something. Charles Spurgeon, the great orator, said this. The gospel of Christ was preached. The people were converted and they were baptized all perhaps in the space of an hour. The whole transaction may not have taken so much time as I'm going to occupy preaching to you this morning. How then, he said, is it with you who wait so long? Where is the precept or example to warrant your own hesitation? Permit me to remind you that duties delayed are sin. Will you take that home with you? You who are believers and are not yet baptized, permit me to remind you also that privileges postponed are losses. Mm. So what time is it? It's saving time. It's time to repent of your sins. Listen, if you've got sin in your life, if you know that you do, it's time to repent of your sins. It's time to say, God, can't you please forgive me? Can't you change my life? It's time to repent. It's time to be baptized in the name of Jesus so your sins are remitted and you don't have to walk out those doors carrying a horrible load of sin. But you can have your sins washed away in the name of Jesus today in one moment. It's time to receive the Holy Spirit. It's time to let him fill you with the baptism of his spirit. It's time to deal with your hidden sin. Listen, Calvary. It's time to get it right. It's time to stop procrastinating. And I want to reach this morning and say to you, it's time to make up your mind about your calling. It's time to get involved in ministry. It's time to tell your co-worker about Christ. It's time to invest in somebody else. It's time to pray for your lost loved ones because it's saving time. 
At this time of year, I'm sure you are too, my mind is going back to our beloved bishop. And I was thinking the other day about his funeral. I have never heard so many people say, this man impacted my life. One after another. Every person who came through the line at the viewing, all the people that sat in these pews, he impacted my life. I left that day with a burning desire to let my little parentheses of life make a difference. Guess what? We better get started because all we have is now. Jesus, help me. Matthew 24, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Whereas in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Time does not wash away your sins. Only the blood of Christ can wash away your sins. As I was preparing for this message, thinking back through my life and people I've seen come to Christ, my memory went to a woman when I was a child. I couldn't have been more than 10, 12 years old in the church in Dover. <clears throat> and in that church, there were just two sections of pews and a center aisle down that section. And I was seated on the inside of the aisle in the youth section. So I probably was 12 or maybe 13 and the sermon was being preached, and the Spirit of God was moving. And all of a sudden, and I was sitting on the aisle, so I was right there. All of a sudden, there was a woman that had been coming to the church there in Dover. She was a very tall, thin, beautiful woman. She was a professor at uh, Delaware State University. She was in the back pew, and that morning, as the preaching was going forth, I was sitting on the end of that pew, and all of a sudden, I, f I felt movement in the aisle, and church was still going on. They were still preaching. But as I was sitting there, I saw that woman. She got up from the very back pew, and she didn't want to make a scene. She was very tall, very stately. She got on her hands and knees, and she crawled down that aisle. And I sat there as a, as a young person, seeing her move past me quietly, without any fanfare, she moved to the altar and just laid over the altar. Oh, something got a hold of me. I said, what is it that when you know that God is moving in your life, you respond? Mm, God, don't let me fight with you. Who do I think I am to fight with you, God? Don't let me fight with you. When I graduated from high school, uh, Sister Trout, our pastor's wife, she would always sing this at the graduation. And I remember sitting there as a 17, 18-year-old girl. I was 18. And listening to this song. It matters so little how much you may own. Those of you who are older will know this song. It matters so little how much you may own the places you've been or the people you've known. For it all comes to nothing when laid at his feet. It's nothing to Jesus, just memories to keep. And as a girl sitting there listening at my high school graduation to her sing that song, something stirred in my heart and said, God, this time that I've got on the planet, it's got to count. 
You may take all the treasures from faraway lands and take all the riches you can hold in your hand and take all the pleasures your money can buy, but what will you have when it's your time to die? Only one life. So soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do his will. So give to Jesus all your days. It's the only life that pays when you recall you have but one life. The days pass so swiftly. And now on the better end of 50, I can say that it's true. The months come and go. The years melt away like new fallen snow. Spring turns to summer, summer to fall. Autumn brings winter. Then death comes to call. So only one life. So soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do his will. It's saving time. I came to put your life in perspective for you this morning. I hope I have. You've got a little parenthesis you're working with, and that's all you got. So what are you doing with it? This morning when we all struggled as we lost an hour of sleep and we moved the hand on the clock ahead, we said it's daylight saving time, but no, really, today it's saving time because God gave you the wake-up call. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. And then Romans 13, 11 says, And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up out of your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. If you'll stand. You've got some decisions to make. Not today, not this afternoon, not tomorrow, but right now. I do not know where you stand with God today, but this moment is for you. Sometimes when we get to an altar call, we don't want to make it too pressurized because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. But this morning, I cannot retreat from the uncomfortable feeling. Because sometimes we got to stop and look and say, where do I stand with God? So I'm taking a moment here for you to think about it. Because if you've got something to work out, you got an opportunity to get it worked out right now. Because today is, it's saving time. Oh, I'm praying that someone will repent today. And if you have not been baptized, I'm praying that you'll say, it's my day for baptism. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I am praying that before you walk out of here, you are gloriously filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because it's saving time. And if you're sure of your salvation, but you know anyone who has not yet made that step, then this moment is for you. Because you've got a job to do. You need to help them know it's saving time. They're going to need you to pray for them and share the gospel with them. So if you know any person on the planet that's not saved, this message is for you. You've got a job to do. 
And then I just felt to say that if you feel God is calling you, asking you to step up and serve him at a higher level, then this, this message is for you. Because you've only got a little bit of time. You might as well go ahead and get with it. It's saving time. God, in your name. The Holy Spirit is moving now. I'm going to pray for you. And as I begin to pray, if you feel the Lord drawing you, you want someone to pray with you. The staff will come and meet you. People will come and pray. I challenge you not to walk out until you've got everything right with God today because now it's saving time. I'm going to pray and feel free to go ahead and move as I pray. God, right now I'm asking you if there are people who have decisions to make. If there are situations, God, that have not been dealt with yet. If there's sin, God, that's lying at the door. If there's a burden of sin, God, that has not been repented of yet. If there's someone who's asking the question, should I be baptized? God, let that answer come today. Yes, they should be baptized. Why? Because we don't have a guarantee of a lot more time. We've got today. We've got this moment. God, if if we have loved ones that are not yet saved, there's a job to do. If we've got friends that don't know you, God, there's someone to pray for today. If you feel to move, go ahead and move and do not wait because now is the day. Right now is the time of salvation. And if you feel that God is calling you, what is holding you back? Why don't you go ahead and give it to God today and say, I'm yours. Oh, it's the time. It's the day of salvation. Understand the time. The hour has already come for you to wake up out of your slumber because salvation is near than when we first believe. God, I give it to you today. I repent before you today. I call on you today. Save me from my sins. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood, God, that you're applying to our lives. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.